welcome to Amplify Archaeology. Today I'm recording live at the Viking Heritage Day at Woodstown on the Waterford Greenway. And it's a beautiful sunny day. There's lots going on here. We've got lots of Viking reenactors. We've got living history displays. We have steam trains going up and down the place. It might be a little bit of a noisy recording, what given all the battles and such. But I thought it might be really interesting to talk to some of the reenactors to learn a little bit more about the process of living history and what it can tell us about the past. I hope you enjoyed today's programme. Here now with Denise Colbert and Denise runs the kind of event management side. Would that be right? If Deja Medieval. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. I'm the event manager for Deja Medieval. Um, basically, uh, I didn't ever see myself doing this, <laughs> but um, my my friend Claire was involved in the group, and uh, she kept saying to me, "Why don't you come along, join the group? You'll love it, you know." And I'm going, "No, you're nothing but mad hippies. I'm not doing that." <laughs> and, and eventually, she made me come, and. Uh, I jo- ended up joining the group and uh, probably one of the best things I've ever done. That's great. Yeah. And did you get involved, you know, uh, apart from your friendship with Claire, did you get involved, were you interested in kind of history and archaeology beforehand or was that something that you kind of grew into uh, as with, with oh, the group? I always had an interest in history and that, especially through school and that, you know. Yes. Yeah. And um, then living in Waterford, you naturally learn a bit and oh, that course, around yeah. and that, but joining the group definitely gave insights that you wouldn't have otherwise yes that's fantastic and what's it like to i mean this is a terrific event here today i mean we've got i'm not sure how many people that would be involved in it we have i would say 70 plus reenactors 70 plus and what's it like to organize something like this because there's not only dacia medieval and yourselves to organize it's uh, collaborating with different groups around ireland and and even overseas absolutely um yeah that's 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 probably what takes the most time is the planning that goes into it yeah. and that we, we'll start planning for next year probably in January wow, and, okay. that, and we'll send out invites to all the clubs uh, in Ireland and across the water in England mm-hmm. uh, last year we had um, was it nine or ten Danish people mm-hmm. from ASK uh, they came over um, and stayed with us and that so it's, brilliant. it's, it's a fantastic event as in it brings people from all corners of Ireland, England and Europe um, over here to Waterford to this small little field and and basically to have a good crack with us. um, With a group of people that have such a shared interest and passion, Mm -hmm. it must be a great social event as well as anything else. It is, it is, yeah. Yeah. We work during the day. Yes. That's our job. Uh, as, As the living history educates and that and the battles and everything show how life was and how fighting was yes. and that and then when we do close in the evening we normally have a big stew on all day oh, we'll get ourselves a bite to eat and uh, relax for the evening a few authentic drinks a few authentic <laughs> drinks <laughs> thanks a million Denise That's no brilliant. bother thank you I'm here now with Jessica de Berker of Montague Heritage Services. Jessica, how did you become involved with Living History? 
Back in 1995, there was the Ferns Gathering, which was the first event of its kind that I saw, right. where reenactors were costumed and participated in a battle reenactment in the grounds of Ferns Castle, uh-huh. commemorating the Kavanagh clan. Uh, they were having a, a huge gathering of the clan oh, up there, and it was the High Kinsler and all the rest of it. Wow. And I was in college at the time with my husband, Alan Montague, uh-huh. and he was involved um, from a hobby point of view. Mm-hmm. We were studying radio broadcasting and we decided to do a project on reenactment. Um, at, and it wasn't living history for us at that stage, but it was yeah. the whole idea of battle reenactment. Okay. So I had previously been involved in drama as a child, a teenager. I loved all of the aspects of that. Yeah. I had anticipated being a drama teacher at one point. Okay. Um, I went uh, to various different things. And when I attended the, the battle reenactment in Ferns, I was just um, I was I was I was hooked on the the drama, on the costume, and on mm. the fun of it. Yeah. I had always enjoyed history whilst in school, but I didn't do it for the leaving certificate. Okay. Um, so I just became involved from that side of it. Yeah. And thereafter, um, Alan himself set up Montague Heritage Services later in life, uh-huh. and from there, all of those different aspects of my personality, which was the drama and yeah. costume, um, kind of lent itself to. To the, to the living history side of it. That's brilliant. And, and has it kind of changed your perception of the past in any way, being involved in it? Absolutely. The t- strap line, you know, a big PR moment for me now for Monica Heritage Services is bringing history to life. Yes, yeah. And the whole idea is that we try and make a tangible connection between the people who held those swords, yeah. who traded those coins, who made those bits of tablet weave. Uh And when you see somebody dressed, interpreting how we think they looked, what they wore, the things that they used, and being able to Mm. comprehensively explain, well, this is how that brooch works. Let me show you how you tie your cloak. No, you don't do your laces like that. Let me show you how they were found, how the knots were, and all the rest of it. And all of a sudden, you get a real sense of the individuals as they uh-huh. were not just this historical time frame or period but a yes. sense of people yeah. um, you know how many of us have tied a kid's shoelaces you yeah, know absolutely. Um, and yeah. so and that would have been done hundreds of times you know uh, yeah. you know since since we started using laces so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it just makes it tangible as That's you say it, 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 it puts it, the people it in the past puts them in the past yeah, and yeah. you start to understand an awful lot more um, about the struggle uh-huh. and it would have been a struggle but yes at the same time when you see how people celebrated um, mm. and the customs it mm. is again it's about bringing it to life and just taking it out of the history pages off the book um, and the idea that you can see and touch and smell and taste in some circumstances mm-hmm. at an event like we're at today um, yeah. here in, in the Greenway. The idea, you know, even just the wood fire and seeing how charcoal was used yeah. to, to, to use a forge. It's yeah. all of those different aspects. And we've people then, you know, who, who have their own bees and, they're, and yeah. they're, they've got beeswax. You can smell and touch all these things. Absolutely. Um, and it just, it, it's, it's, it really makes it more... Um, more real. It does, and I think 
you know, I often think that it's amazing, especially for children, for all of us really, but especially for children, to have that ability to touch and, and yeah. to use their senses that's when it, it comes to that's thinking it. about the past. That's it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I know Montague's a terrific company that's been going for a good while. And do you have a, uh, today, everyone's Viking dress, you know, it's uh, Viking Heritage Day. Is, do you have a particular favourite period yourself? Would it be disloyal to, if it no, wasn't the Viking? Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's an interesting question, yeah. to be honest. Um, over the years, and not necessarily a favourite, mm. but certainly there is... Vikings seem to be part of the Irish psyche. Uh-huh. I think it goes back to the Millennium celebrations in Dublin. Yes. I, I think that really left its mark. Yeah. I mean, milk bottles with 988 on them. You yeah, know, everything. It's brilliant, it, it was it? it? was huge, and yeah. I remember that as a kid. Yeah. Um, and it's funny then, because one of the original reenactors... Um, um, I don't even know if they, know if they called themselves that then, yeah. but certainly interpretive um, individuals. I met him then later in life, and he was one of the first people that did an event in the RDS way, way back. Wow. So it was, it was. Um, I think Vikings and Normans. Yes. You know, the, yeah. the, um, it, because of my own name and all the rest of it, I yes, suppose. Of you know, yeah, have to, to give a nod there. But there are two groups that came into Ireland yeah, as well, aren't yeah, they? And do you think yeah. there's something almost uh, enticing about that? Or uh, did you...? It's gas, because I'm, I'm a Gaelgore as well at the same time, so I do wonder, like, is there some kind of throwback DNA-wise that I yeah. don't even realise, yeah, you know? Yeah, but, um, yeah, uh, I mean, from, coming from the southeast, like, I can't help but be a mongrel, so I must, of be, I must be a mixture of, of all course. of the above. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So, that's yeah, it's, it. a, it's a hard one to call. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think the Vikings, as I say, it's part of the psyche, mm. um, and certainly it's it's part of our culture, even yeah. today, with, with, with TV and media. Yes. Um, it's hammered home, and yeah. um, so we just, like, to undo a few of the little myths that are being <laughs> well, that's it. And, it, and it's great these days because you know I suppose going back a little way you, not even that long ago when people thought of the Vikings they're thinking of like Hagar the Horrible yeah. with horns on his helmet and everything yeah, else and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. some of those preconceptions uh, are oh, gradually being stripped away that's it <laughs> yeah. that's it and we're becoming very slick and I mean yeah. um, it's fantastic even in terms of some of the multimedia things that are mm. available and the interpretive centres now how they're really upping their game yes. um, and making things very very uh child-friendly not only in terms of just being able to touch and, 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 and um, interact but those those digital interactions as well are really really important yeah, yeah. Um, because we have to move with, with our times too it's giving people the option to kind of go into the layer that they're most comfortable with isn't it Absolutely. whether that's a, a simple image of what a Viking would have looked Absolutely. like to an ability to come and see a day like today where they're yeah, seeing access. people it, it is access it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. that's fantastic Listen, thank you so much you're very that. welcome thank, thank you, you. It's brilliant. So I'm here now with Dolores Kearney and 
Dolores, you're studying for a PhD in early medieval textiles, is that right? That's right, yes. I'm studying uh, UCD and uh, it's about weaving stories Mm -hmm. and it's the reconstruction of the manufacture uses and discards of early medieval Irish textiles and cloths. Fantastic. So experimental archaeology, living history, that's a big part of you, you think. How does actually making the object, how does that shape your understanding? It shapes it enormously. Mm. Um, It takes words, it takes uh, the artefacts, it brings it to life. Mm. And it's very much gives me an understanding of how long, um, how long it would take, Mm -hmm. what's the access to raw resources, Mm -hmm. uh, skills. Skills would be the techniques, the software, uh, where we have very much the hardware, which is the spindle whirls. They exist in the archaeological record, but the techniques don't. So interacting on days like this with skilled practitioners, um, it helps me enormously. That's fantastic. In my my research. Uh, So uh, a big part of it is trying it out, seeing what works, and those interactions with the living history organisations and the living history groups, uh, do they really help to kind of shape the path of it in a sense? Do they kind of give you insights that you might not have been able to get otherwise, if that makes sense? It's, yeah, it does make sense, and it yeah. certainly does. Like, I obviously regard uh, guided by the mm. archaeological record, yeah. but it certainly gives me a broader perspective, Yes, and it gives the ability to look beyond and to inject life as mm-hmm. such into uh, artefacts and it could shape my it certainly could shape directions that my research will possibly go in and um, so it, it's it's very much it's, it's a learning process even yeah. on a sunday yes here yeah, today yeah. absolutely research can be done so, absolutely yeah. that's it yeah. that's fantastic listen thank you so much dolores you're very Brilliant. welcome thank you. thank you I'm here now with Kate William from Vikings UK. Uh, Kate, how did you come involved in uh, living history? What what was it that attracted you? Was it well, an interest in the past? Or? It was my husband actually, and we okay. went along to a show at Corfe in mm. Dorset. Okay. Um, and we went along to that as um, just as public. Uh-huh. And um, my husband was really interested in it, in the fighting part of it, and I was a bit worried because I was mm-hmm. like, what on earth would I be doing? Yes. But that was the year we'd gotten married, so, you know, for better or worse, for yeah. rich or poor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely in the reenactment world, it's definitely poorer. Yes. <laughs> but for the, all the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went along with him, uh-huh. and then I eventually found my place. We joined a local group. Uh-huh. He started training with the fighting. Mm-hmm. I taught myself embroidery. Um, And I taught myself about the food side of it and everything like that. And five years later, we're over here in Ireland Uh, and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it is, and uh, do you find that it's uh, it's a really big community? Uh, oh yeah, living history. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. around the campfire of an evening as well, you yeah. you're all telling your own sagas, they sing songs, and ah, it's brilliant. it's really good. Yeah. yeah, and you've got the wee children running around as well. That's fantastic. So we all isn't look it? after each other. And is you, as 
it changed your perception or interest in the past? Oh, it has. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm definitely more enthusiastic about learning about the past. Yeah. Um, and learning about things that haven't changed so much. Yeah, okay. So I've got, like, on my female kit, I've got a toiletry kit. Uh-huh. Uh, so I've got the tweezers and the toothpick and the nail file and that yeah. hasn't changed. No, no. We still carry them around in our handbags. Yes. Whereas back in the, back in the Viking age, we would have hung it either off our brooches or off a belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's lovely to see. That's fantastic, yeah. isn't it? The more and things change, the more some of the things stay the same, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's brilliant. Listen, thank you so much. Oh, Thanks. you're welcome. <laughs> I'm here with Paul Kavanagh from Leaks Vikings. And Paul, how was it that you got interested in living history? Is it uh, that you've always been interested in archaeology and history, or did you get involved through a different path? I I always was interested, even as a teenager. Uh-huh. My dad um, was always telling me about Irish history and our own family ancestry. Uh-huh. Uh, we'd go to museums, we'd we'd walk to uh, various ancient uh, monuments, etc. Mm-hmm. But about 20 years or so ago, a group of pals built two replica Viking longships. Wow. And at that time I was working in the private sector, so I uh-huh. was involved quite infrequently, maybe yeah. a couple of the different events each year. Uh-huh. Um, but then life took a different turn for me about 10 years ago. Okay. I have a little bit more free time. Sure. And um, since then I've become hooked. Yeah. I'd say it looks like such a, a great thing to do. Like It seems like there's a real community to it uh, and a real kind of camaraderie. Is that the case? Yeah. It, that is a really good observation mm. because um, we're here uh, at the Greenway event. It's organised yeah. by Dacia, who are a local group. Yeah. And a lot of us throughout Ireland and much further afield, yes, the rest yes. of the British Isles and parts of Europe, yeah. support each other's events. Yes, yeah. And we enjoy doing that. We yeah. enjoy that camaraderie. We enjoy seeing the skills that other people have and they yeah. demonstrate. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I particularly um, like is the number of uh, families that have small kids and they bring their small kids. Yes. It's brilliant to see, isn't it? You know, it you really little is. ones, like you know, three yeah. or four years old, yes. dressed in their Viking kit, yeah. running around, yeah. and it's. We think it's a very safe environment for families yes, and kids absolutely, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I see that you're uh, interested in carpentry, and yeah. is that something that you were always interested in again, or is that something that you found was as you got in, more into the uh, living history side of things that you were particularly attracted to? My dad was a mar- master carpenter. Wow. Um, so from a very small age, at weekends I was doing things with him. Right. So okay. I've developed uh, skills with, especially old-fashioned hand tools. Yes. Yeah. That not many other people have. That's fantastic. But, um, I, I have never worked full time at yeah. this, but I've always, you know, one of those serial DIY guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. But it's a slightly bit more serious. So yeah. then, if I come.
come to more recently, yeah. the the Viking longships were always needing uh, repairs done. Yeah. Okay. So so my pals knew I had uh, these types of skills with old chisels and yeah. irons and various things. Paul, come and help us with this. Yeah. And now, when I come to events like this where we don't have boats, mm. I demonstrate some very basic woodworking skills that people can see. That's brilliant. That it, it's so interesting. It really is. And uh, so it, has it changed from your involvement in living history has it changed your perception of the past at all is it giving you a different appreciation for what life might have been like back see then? that's a really good question mm. um and uh, a number of people that you'll come across in the reenactment scene would think i think similar to myself in mm. that we like to try and replicate how things were done maybe a thousand or twelve years ago yeah as, as far as possible yes absolutely uh, and um you know, and it could be, you know, a leather maker, and I know one or yeah. two people uh, in Ireland who start from the raw skin, uh-huh. and maybe even the dead beast, wow. and do the whole processing wow. right through to their leather goods. That's right. And, and I like to start with, um, so for the past maybe six or seven years, uh-huh. I... Uh, get my own. Uh, I mostly work in ash. Yeah, okay. And there's plenty of ash in, in Ireland. And Absolutely. That's where people would have worked. Yes. Especially with axe shafts and spear shafts and yes, and yeah. tent pegs. They're the type of things that yes. I make for people for other reenactors. Uh, okay. So I um, gather my own ash and I season it. Mm-hmm. So I only use ash that's three years seasoned. Wow. Okay. Um, so um, the. Only in very settled Viking communities would they have been able to do that. Yes, yes. Because they would have often, you know, if you broke your spear shaft, you'd have had to cut something out of the forest as you go along. Something green, yeah, 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 but but you, they probably realised that that was only a temporary measure to keep them alive. Absolutely, yeah. And then when you were back at base or during the winter and it's a bit more peaceful, you got the thing that was going to be the more permanent job. I'm here now with Ayanna Raya, and Ayanna, you're kind of focused very much on uh, Nordic spirituality, like runic uh, belief, shamanism. Um, what was it that attracted you to that initially, and is it sp- your interest specifically around Norse belief, or are you interested in kind of a, a, a broader spectrum of uh, past culture? Um, I did study shamanism for many years and have a strong interest in spirituality but uh, I'm also German uh, by birth and uh, been living in Ireland since many years and um, people always associate Norse uh, shamanism or runic shamanism with Scandinavian countries, but yeah. it's actually Germanic and yeah, Norse shamanism. Yeah. So uh, there have been um, archaeological finds of rune stones in mm-hmm. Germany and uh, in Scandinavia, and uh, the belief system is the same, mm-hmm. even though uh, some of the names 
vary ever so slightly. Yes, of For course. For example, in um, Scandinavian countries, you would call the main god Odin, yeah. whereas in the Germanic territories, he was called Woden. Yes, yes, but you can and, see that there's a root, yes, uh, that it's, connection. It's very connected. And how do you feel that um, when you're at events like this, do you feel that there's a great curiosity from the general public to understand, you know, to have the runes read and, and to, to be involved? Do you find people here um, standoffish or are they very curious? And interesting. No, quite uh, the opposite. Mm. People are very, very curious and mm. open-minded Brilliant. and ask loads of questions. Mm. And uh, I also make runic pendants uh-huh. because people often associate the runes mm. with uh, letters in mm-hmm. the Viking alphabet, but they have—they are symbols of power mm-hmm. used for divination mm-hmm. and. Um, manifesting things yes okay. so i also make pendants for protection or healing and uh, so people often ask about the meaning and that, the mythology in general that, that's brilliant it's, it's so interesting and do you think by uh, being involved in living history if you like if, if being involved in this kind of sense does it give you a, a different appreciation for life in the past and maybe what they believed or does it help you along that way? Um, it doesn't really change my opinion or you know, my understanding of it because mm. I had the strong connection uh, to the belief system before I started yeah. coming to okay. the events. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, um, I even uh, uh, taught runes mm. in a holistic college wow. before I started coming to the events okay. but uh, for me it's a way of spreading the knowledge yeah okay I uh, see myself also as an educator yes to yeah. educate people about the Nordic belief system and uh, the runes and uh, yeah to spread the word about it that's brilliant thank you so So I'm here now with Maria Crane, and Maria, what was it about living history that attracted you first to start getting involved? Was it an interest in the past, or did you just see it and thought it looked like fun? Or what started the interest? So I actually started as a nine-year-old girl, wow. uh, having to be babysat for a weekend. <laughs> uh, my mom didn't have time; she was going to an- another thing. So a friend of the family invited me along uh-huh. and I just got sucked in. It was wow. a weekend event, weekend long, and I met people my age having fun. And mm-hmm. I mean, I met one of my best friends that weekend and we're still talking today. That's and after that, it just, you know, that would spark my interest for archeology span and everything. So yeah, okay. just being a very good babysitting weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I mean, that's one of the things that really comes across in an event like this, that sense of friendship and community that's going on. There's really lovely buzz. Like, and yeah. uh, Do you get together often as groups or how, how does it work typically throughout here? So um, when I, I just moved here to Ireland a month ago, but okay. when I lived in Denmark, we had like an event every weekend. Wow. From okay. May to October. Right. Um, and during the winter time, we would often meet up like once a week or uh-huh. twice a month to um, to just sew a little bit together, crafting, yeah. talking, just to catch up and yeah. still be in contact. Um, and then I started fighting. 
Yes. And with Brilliant. the fighting, we have uh, training once or twice a week. Yes. So we keep up even during the winter. Okay. Keep the contact, keep the knowledge, and we talk to each other. It's, it's a friendship brilliant. that lasts. And does it get uh, involved quite a bit of travel? Do you go to see events? I mean, you're from Denmark originally, yeah. that's right. Uh, do you see different events kind of around uh, Europe? Or? Uh, well, we're, I'm that lucky that in Denmark we have most garden Trelleborg, which is... Yes, yeah hundreds and hundreds of people wow, coming to visit yeah. from all over the country we have people from America and, mm -hmm. and Asia and everything mm -hmm. um, I would travel myself I went to Germany mm -hmm. and I went to Norway and here before mm -hmm. I even moved here I went here a couple of times for events uh -huh. um, and Iceland I go to Iceland quite a lot for events there that's fantastic and it just seems like such a, a, a wonderful thing has it shaped your view of the past at all did Definitely. it give you a different perception yeah. it's uh, we're touching history yes. during this yeah. it's a different way of like connecting you know yes. like we we hear about our ancestors we talk about them we learn about them from the ground yeah but it's a different perspective when we are in their clothing or yes. what it would look like we're yeah. eating their food mm -hmm. and fighting their wars yes so yeah. it's it's a different perspective it's a different it's a different ground you're yeah. walking on suddenly yeah absolutely i think it's uh, thank you so much for your time no, Maria. That's, really, that's brilliant <laughs> Okay, I'm here now with Claire Hogan of Dacia Medieval. Claire, how long have you been with Dacia Medieval? I think it's about six years. Okay. And how did you come to be involved? Was there... Well, I was always really interested in history and I, I went right. off to do archaeology as a, an evening course. Brilliant. But unfortunately, um, there was a family circumstance that I had to cut short my studies. Uh -huh. um, but I was always fascinated. Mm -hmm. So I actually saw an ad in the paper. Right. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'll give it a go. You know, it might be interesting. It might be a bit <laughs> of fun. And uh, I just got... It was a life-changing decision. Um, I'm now completely... I've spent all my waking hours thinking about how to improve, you know, my, yeah. my, my clothes and my all the things I own. And it's fantastic. fantastic, yeah. And, oh, we've got a Viking horn on yeah. the door. Yeah. I think a battle's about to start. Yeah, they're getting mustered. One, one of the things I'm always really impressed by when we visit the, uh, events like this where you've got a range of different kinds of reenactors is all the different specialisms which really kind of recreates I suppose the specialisms that would have existed in the past um, what's your particular area of interest and, and is Vikings your favourite period? It wasn't quite frankly uh, okay. but since I got got into the Vikings age mm. I found they were the much more interesting people than I had first imagined okay I had the typical idea that they were just pagan raiders and they just smash and grab raids yeah and, sure and they weren't you know that that the, 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 there wasn't much really thought behind them uh -huh. but uh, I have to say the more you study and the more you become interested mm. um, so what I've actually been really interested in recently is studying um, the Volva, yeah. the, the CRS, yeah. and okay. the, her role in society, uh -huh. and the whole idea of how that magic can actually 
improve people's lives. Okay. It's not necessarily a dark thing. It can actually be a, a, a social yes. skill like any other, you know. That's really interesting to see. And, and do you know, do you think that by carrying out living history and, and experimental archaeology in this sort of sense, that that has given you a completely different perspective on what the culture might have been like or the daily life or the the pluses and minuses of yeah, living in the past. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean physically I'm I'm in my 50s now and yeah. physically I can understand why they didn't live long lives because okay. everything is so heavy right. and everything aspect of life is so physical. Yes. You know, okay. you need to chop down the tree before you have the wood for the fire. Yeah. You need to keep the cauldrons alone are incredibly heavy. Uh-huh. Every aspect of life grinding corn mm-hmm. takes a toll on the body. Mm-hmm. You know, so you when you actually feel it in yourself and the sort of you understand better the sort of degeneration of that life lifestyle can, uh, uh, can reek on you. Absolutely, and you know, it, it, without the, the mod cons of... Uh, modern medicine uh, and, and modern dentist, ma- medicine dentistry in particular. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And to the social side of being involved in a group like Desha Medieval, that must be one of the, the real oh. wonderful aspects. I mean, you can see today that it, it's a really nice buzz. Um, yeah, it's it, fantastic. We're, yeah. we're like an enormous dysfunctional family <laughs> dysfunctional functional family um and we all we we uh we because we all come from such different walks of life uh-huh. but because we have this one interest that kind of binds us together yeah. you get so many different kinds of people yes and with different outlooks and yeah. but in general what i t- tend to find runs through it a very sort of liberal sensibility you know yeah, a very yeah. tolerant sensibility yes, yeah, yeah. and as as a very disparate group you know you, you need that tolerant sensibility well i think it makes sense to be tolerant when there's so many swords around the well, place there is that that's a good point yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the most lethal weapon around here is that we have an enormous wooden spoon oh <laughs> everyone's in, living in fear of that, that absolutely uh, listen, that's absolutely perfect thank you so much and just in time Very to miss welcome. the next train, the train as well. lovely yeah <laughs> So that's everything from Amplify Archaeology in this edition. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about Viking Woodstown, we have a free audio guide that, again, you can download onto Spotify, iTunes, whatever it happens to be, uh, or you can find it on our website at abataheritage.ie. Just search for Woodstown and you'll find it there, or Viking Woodstown, and you should find the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone who took the time to talk to me today. Desha Medieval, in particular, are just fantastic, and they're here every year Woodstown really helping to put the people back into the past I think they do a terrific job of it Um, we're also working on a conservation management plan for Woodstown that's looking at what the future outcomes could be of this incredibly important site and how we can help to tell people the story of Viking Island so keep an eye on our website and we'll be keeping updates going on there but for the moment I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll talk to you next time thank you